know it's getting, you know, <laughs> announce this. Do you... Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so we'll start with something just a little bit humorous. Uh, this uh, man and his wife were out shopping, and before they started, you know, they talked to each other and said, you know, okay, well, we're, we're just going to look, not going to buy any new, new clothes today, which was really for the wife. But anyway, <laughs> so they separated, and they started walking through the mall. And the wife sees this beautiful dress in the window. She's like, hmm. So she goes in, tries it on. She loves it. She buys it. She keeps it a secret. Eventually, her husband finds out. And he's not very happy. He said, like, honey, why? Like, we agreed that we weren't going to buy any clothes. Why did you buy this? She said, you know, I tried it on, and it looked so good that the devil spoke, and he tempted me to buy this dress. He said, it looked so good, I had to buy it. The husband said, well, why didn't you rebuke him? Why didn't you say, get behind me, Satan? She goes, you know, I did that, and he said the dress looked even better from a distance. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't try to use that in a real-life situation, ladies. I don't think it'll turn out so good. <laughs> so tonight, let's... Let's start with a little bit of prayer, and let's just jump right into God's word. Lord God, we pray that you speak to us tonight, that you energize our hearts and our minds, that you just bring fresh life to us, Lord God. For those of us who are caught in struggles and and bondage and circumstances that are weighing against us, we just pray tonight would be a night of just peace and refreshing and victory. Lord God, and and for those of us who are just here tonight, just want a deeper walk with you. Show us where we can be the hands and feet in Jesus this week, of Jesus this week. Speak to us, Lord God. Speak through me. Speak to your people. Give us grace this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. How many of you brought a Bible tonight? All right. Do you want to hold it up? Or is it? Give it a couple of thumps. All right. Let's get warmed up here. So let's, uh, let's just say a little confession here. I, I like this. Uh, so let's say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. And I can have what it says I can have. Amen. All right. So what I want to tell you tonight, what's on my heart, is that God can change any situation. Any situation you're facing. Any obstacle you're facing whether it's in your family, whether it's with your health, your finances, maybe you're depressed, maybe who knows? Who knows what it could be? But whatever it is, God can change it. And we can see in the Bible, he worked through some things that were much bigger than any problem you could possibly have right now. But that doesn't mean that what, what you're facing is not important to him. Maybe you've struggled with addiction. Maybe you've just struggled with, with poor self-esteem. Maybe your whole life you've been told, you know what, you're just not worth it. You can't, you can't do that. You've been told no your whole life. Maybe your dreams are, are just broken and shattered and you're wondering, what am I going to do? Well, God can change that situation. So whatever it is you're facing tonight, look at, look at it through the lens of what God can do. And we're going to start with a, a very interesting story of a very bleak situation in 2 Kings. 
Uh, 2 Kings 6.24. I was a little surprised. I talked to uh, a couple of people about this story, and they, uh, they didn't really remember it. And I guess, you know, maybe it's not a story we talk about a whole lot. Um, do we have anyone back there that could shut a mic off? Ah, it's not that bad. I'm not feeding back to you guys, am I? You're okay? Okay. Uh, so in 2 Kings 6.24, just a little bit of background that uh, there's this siege going on. And there's some, some background to this where this, the, uh, Aram, the army of Aram or the Araminians had attacked Israel. And God had done some miraculous things. He actually blinded the eyes of the soldiers. They got all herded into the city. And uh, they basically fed these soldiers and let them go. So you'd think that would be enough for these soldiers to say, oh, well, well we're not going to attack you guys. You just spared all our lives. Nope. They come back. They lay siege to the city. Now, I've heard some stories of siege. But this is, this is pretty, pretty extreme. I'm going to start reading in verse 24. That's 2 Kings 6.24. Now it came about after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. There was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it, until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and a fourth of a kebab of dove's dung for five shekels of silver. Let's put that in today's perspective. You want to buy a loaf of bread, it's selling for $200. You want a Big Mac, $300. You know, it's, the price of food is so inflated because there is no food. And what little there is, no one can afford. And it gets much worse. As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him saying, Help my lord, O king. He said, If the lord does not help you, from where shall I help you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? The king said to her, what is the matter with you? And she answered, this woman said to me, give your son that we may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, give your son so that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. When the king heard the words of the woman, he tore his clothes. Now he's passing by on the wall and the people looked and behold, he had sackcloth beneath on his body. Then he said, May God do so to me and more also, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. This is a famine so extreme that mothers are eating their children to stay alive. I know that's disturbing. It's, 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 it's horrible. But you've got to think, like sometimes we read these stories in the Bible, and you just see this, this verse, and we just read through it, and okay, they're, you know, they're really hungry. Stop and think about how desperate these people are. They are starving to death, and they probably think they're all going to die. And they've been sieged for who knows how long. The city stinks. People are hungry. There's probably crime and murder, and who knows what else is going on. And this king finally breaks. He says, look, this, God hasn't done anything. I'm going to behead his prophet, which, I mean, doesn't seem like the smartest thing to do. Here's the only guy who can really help you. But that is the situation they're in. 
So if you're in a situation that looks bad, just think, think how desperate things were for these people. And then, not only that, but they have an entire army encamped around the city intent on one thing, killing them. Killing every single person in that city. That, in my books, is a definition of a very hopeless situation. You know, some of it's like, some of us, it's, you know, oh my goodness, like, today... I drove through the Tim Hortons drive-thru and they gave me a knife but not a spoon for my soup. And people are like, man, like what is this world coming to? Like life is hard sometimes, you know? (laughs) And I'm making light of some of our problems, but you know, this is serious stuff here. (laughs) So now Elisha was sitting in his house and the elders were sitting with him. And the king sent a man from his presence. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, Do you see how this son of a murderer has sent to take away my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold the door shut against him. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him. While he was still talking with them, behold, the messenger came down to him and he said, Behold, this evil is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Wow. They've basically got to the point where it's like, look, we've waited long enough. We're taking matters into our own hands, and the first thing we're going to do is cut your head off, Elisha. And I, you know, we've seen this before. Like when Saul, uh, King Saul is waiting for the prophets to come and, and say a prayer and offer a sacrifice before a battle, and he just says, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait anymore for Samuel. I'm just going to do this myself. And it had repercussions that lasted forever. So these guys have reached the end of their rope. Now, you got to give them a little bit of credit because it looks like up to this point, it seems like the king might have been looking to God for an answer. But he's reached a breaking point. And I think that happens to us sometimes. It's like, I know there's been many times in my life, it's like, hey, God, I've been waiting, praying, and believing, and longing. And it's like, ah, I can't take this anymore. Like, I really need some relief, God. Well, look what happens. Then Elisha said, listen to the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow, about this time, a measure of fine flour will be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. The royal officer on whose hand the king was leaning answered the man of God and said, behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And then he said, so Elisha said, Behold, you will see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat of it. Wow. So in the face of crushing famine, an army camping around him, the prophet of God says, Tomorrow, 24 hours time, there's going to be food for everybody. And the price, the food right now, the loaf of bread that costs $300, it's going to sell for 2 bucks. And they can't see how is this even possible. If God was to open up the heavens, this couldn't happen. Now, what I love about this is God saying, look, in 24 hours, I'm going to turn this entire thing around. Just watch. And the way he does it is so cool. You think God can't use you? Man, God can use lepers. God can use donkeys. God can, God can use anyone. Verse 3, 2 Kings chapter 7. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, why do we sit here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, then the famine is in the city, and we will die there. 
And if we sit here, we die also. <laughs> Pretty good logic. Okay, we're going to die or die, so let's at least do something instead of sitting here. You know, I look at that like, okay, I can either go through this trial with depression and complaining and moaning, or I can go through it with faith. I'm going to go through it with faith, you know. <laughs> at least that's, that's what I try to do. Now, therefore, come and let us go over to the camp of the Arameans. If they spare us, we will live. But if they kill us, we will but die. So <laughs> it's not so bad. We're going to die anyways, right? Maybe they'll have mercy on us. So it's kind of interesting because these guys aren't even like, you know, like the story of Jonathan when he runs up that, that hillside and he's like, I'm going to take this fortress. These guys are like, well, we're dead anyways, so let's go do something. I mean, they're not very noble. Uh, it's not a very noble motive why they're going out. So they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Arameans, and when they came to the outskirts of the camp of the Arameans, lo, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Arameans to hear a sound of chariots and a sound of horses, even the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Therefore they rose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their donkeys, even the camp, just as it was, and fled for their life. And it goes on to talk about the lepers here. Um, well, might as well read it here. When the lepers came out to the outskirts of the camp, they entered one tent and ate and drank and carried from their silver and gold and clothes and went and hid them. And they returned and entered another tent and carried from there also and went and hid them. Now, <laughs> it's kind of funny. You've got to think of these four guys. They have this whole camp to themselves. They're partying right now, man. They're like eating all this food. They're like carrying as much gold as they can. They're, you know, they're having a good time. They're just like, pouring gallons of wine and water on their head. and It's just kind of a funny image, that's all. And then they said to one another, we are not doing right. <laughs> this day is a day of good news, but we are keeping silent. If we wait until morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now therefore come, let us go and tell the king's house. And so what happens is they tell the king's house, the king sends out some men to verify that this is not a trap. And they're like, find armor strewn all over. They find every sign saying, wow, this army ran away in terror. They ran away so fast, they didn't even take their provisions with them. And look what happens. It's kind of interesting, too, because the king says, like, basically, hey, take the last five horses that we haven't eaten and go outside the city, look for the stuff. Bad situation. So the people went out and plundered the camp of the Arameans. That's verse 16. Then a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Now the king appointed the royal officer on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. But the people trampled on him at the gate and he died, just as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. So it happened just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel and a measure of fine flour for a shekel will be sold tomorrow about this time at the gate of Samaria. And uh, the officer who, who had said, This can't happen. And Elijah said, Well, you'll see it, but you won't taste it. He's the guy who got trampled to death. Kind of a sad ending for him. Um, <clears throat> so what an amazing story. This city goes from famine to feast. 
in 24 hours. And they didn't go out there and fight with blood, sweat, and tears and beat this army. God delivered them with a very miraculous occurrence. So if in your life you're facing a depressing situation, a situation of lack, a situation of hopelessness, anything, you have to believe, you have to know that God can and will deliver you. And it's not a begrudging deliverance where he's like, okay, I'll help you. Like, oh man, you skinned your knee again. Okay, I'll help you. No, he wants to help you. He delights to help you. He delights in the salvation of his people. So we'll, we'll delve a little bit more into this situation a bit later. But the whole point of it is, again, in 24 hours, everything changed for these people. So God is our deliverer. God can change any situation. Think about it. He delivered Daniel from the lions, Noah from the flood, Joseph from the prison, and Israel from famine because of that. Uh, he delivered Israel out of Egypt, delivered David from Saul, delivered Peter from prison, Paul from shipwreck, and most of all, he delivered Jesus from the gates of hell, the jaws of death, the ultimate victory was a victory for us. So the number one point I want to make tonight, again, God can change any situation. Now, we've just looked at a very dramatic turnaround. So sometimes these things happen in an instant. That's what we all like. It's like, boom, ding, done, yes, you know. Wow, God, this raven just showed up with a briefcase full of a million dollars. This is great. Thank you, Lord, you know. <laughs> that would be nice. And the ravens in this town are probably big enough to carry that much money. <laughs> but it uh, doesn't always happen that way. You guys have seen them getting bigger too, haven't you? Um, the Bible says, that we're to be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So we just talked about an instant deliverance. What about maybe a more gradual deliverance? Deliverance may be requiring a bit more obedience. And the thing that really stuck with me was the story of Noah. Now, it's, it's a longer story. We're not going to read through it all tonight. Uh, you can find it in Genesis 6. But I'm just going to kind of tell it, you know, Brent style here. So, <laughs> as you know, I mean, the earth was very evil in, in Noah's time. And God came to him and said, look, clock is ticking. I'm going to destroy the earth and create a new one. And it says that Moses, he was an upright man. He was just. He followed God. And God said, here's what you're going to do. You are going to build the biggest boat ever. And I'm going to put all these animals in it and your family in it. And it's going to be a great time. Oh, yeah. And it's going to take you several decades to build this boat. So Moses, or Noah has to go before he sees any evidence of what God told him and has to be obedient and build this thing. And I don't think he was flying around with stars in his eyes while he's dragging these giant beams of wood and sweating and banging his hands and you know, hitting his fingers and building this boat. It was hard work, and he probably didn't have warm fuzzies all the time when he was doing it. Probably boring, stinky, sweaty, hard work, and people were making fun of him. You know, Eric, if you start building a giant boat in the middle of 
you know, your ranch there. I mean, the neighbors are going to, they're going to talk. You know, I know what small towns are like, man. <laughs> it's going to raise a few eyebrows. But the amazing thing about Noah was for, and, and from best estimates, uh, it looks like it took decades to actually build this boat, this ark. It was huge. And God showed him what to do, but Noah had to do it. And I know God helped him. God gave him the direction. But I don't think God was the one pounding all those planks of wood in. It was Noah <laughs> and his family saying, Oh, Dad, do we have to work on the boat again this weekend? Like, flood's coming, son. Sure, it's coming, Dad. Crazy father. But look what happened. He obeyed God. And I, I think the story of Noah is probably the ultimate example of pure obedience and faithfulness. Like, a lot of you probably know what it's like to believe God for, for years for something. Well, imagine for decades. Not only decades, but you're putting all your money and all your time and all your energy into building this giant monolith that God told you to build. That's a pretty extreme example of faith. And yet, when the time came, because he obeyed, and because day by day he took those little steps, peace here, peace there, suddenly he had, well not suddenly, eventually, he had this ark by which him, his family, and all these animals, they were saved. So, sometimes I believe, and you can see this from the Bible, that when God delivers you to something, it can be in different stages. I think another great example of that is the Israelites coming from Egypt, the promised land. And think of all the different things they had to go through, from the wonders that were performed in Egypt, all these different wonders and the plagues and everything, to finally they're released. Then God has to part the Red Sea. Then they're wandering out in the wilderness, fed by manna. I mean, water out of a rock. Like, all these things happen. And finally, they make it to the promised land. Let's hope that we are the obedient Christians who are going to just follow God wholeheartedly, follow him quickly, and, and see fast deliverance. But there's a lot of examples as well on the other side of the spectrum of instant deliverance, of instant salvation, instant healings in the gospel all over the place. A woman with the issue of blood, lepers cleansed, blind made to see, uh, the most dramatic, which... I would say everyone in this room has experienced in their life has been the new birth. In one instant, you went from death to life. And that's, if you haven't accepted Christ tonight, come see me after the service and we'll, we'll pray together. I mean, that's an instantaneous salvation. Um, I'm going to share a fun story with you. This is not a biblical story. This is a story that happened with my buddy and I a number of years ago. I had this good friend, uh, Darcy, I don't think any of you know him, so don't try to figure out who he is. Um, and what had happened was his car broke down in the ditch. And this is when we were like, I was probably about 19 or 20 at the time. And, uh, you know, he was about my age. And what had happened was the government sent him his insurance renewal, but it was lost in the mail. Like it was in a newspaper or something and they threw it out. And he didn't realize that his car wasn't insured. So they found his car, broke down in the ditch, checked his plates, it's not insured, and he got a fine uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of about $3,600, which at that time 
when you're a teenager with virtually no money, that's a very serious thing. And now Darcy was not, um, he was not a bad person, but he wasn't, you know, actively following God or anything. And he called me up and he's like, Brent, uh, I need your help. Like, I don't know what to do. You know, he's in, in tears. They're, they're taking me to court. They're going to charge me $3,600. And uh, I don't know if a couple things would have gone on his record or whatever. But he said, like, I, I cannot handle this in my life right now. But I know you believe in God. Can you pray for me? Can you help me? That was cool that he turned. That was his way of turning to God. He's like, well, I'm not too tight with the big guy, but I know someone who, who is. So I'm going <laughs> to ask him and maybe he can help. So in my mind, I'm like, well, yeah, God's going to do something. Let's see what happens. So I prayed about it and was just praying and interceding that God would, would help. Um, he had to go up here at court in, in Wainwright. And so uh, I I prayed about it, and I took the day off uh, of work. I was working as a cellular technician at the time. And that morning, I got up, and I just I spent like an hour or two just praying, praying in the Spirit, and, you know, just whatever prayer I knew, I just said everything I could. And, and I got in my little red car, and I'm going to Wainwright. And in my mind, I pictured it's going to be just like those movies I see with these guys at court. I'm going to walk up there and be like, Your Honor, you should not convict my friend, and here's why. And, you know, and I'm just like, man, this is going to be like Matlock or whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm all, like, excited because he didn't have a, a lawyer or anything. So I'm like, I'll defend you in court, man. 19 years old. <laughs> so I'm go driving up there thinking of all these things I'm going to say, and uh, I'm ready. Like, these judges will not be able to handle this awesome, you know, passionate defense of my friend's life. <laughs> So we get there, and that's when I found out. It's my first time I've ever been to court and found out how boring it actually was. So you're waiting for them to read through all this stuff, and you're like, man, this is really, really slow. Like, when are they going to get to the action here? So finally, after, I don't know, two hours, they get to my friend's case. Uh, in the case of, of Darcy, you know, so-and-so, da-da-da, with the defendant. And I'm like, I'm, uh, I'll speak on his behalf, Your Honor, and... The judges, you can tell they were kind of like, oh, right on, this should be interesting. <laughs> They're like, oh, finally, something to break this tedium, you know. So I walk up there, and uh, I forget exactly what I said. It was something to the extent of, uh, your honor, my friend Darcy didn't realize what he was doing. He, I kind of told him the story. And the crown prosecutor, who's the guy who's supposed to prosecute us, says to the judge, hey, you know what, I want to take these these guys aside and talk to you. Your Honor, I request a short recess. And so they're, they're talking all this legalese, and I'm just sitting there like, hmm, is this good or bad? What's happening here? So they call a little recess, and this Crown Prosecutor takes us into his little room, and he looks at Darcy and I, and he says, look, I think you're, you're a good kid. He said, and here's what I'm going to do. Because I'm going to ask that they drop this certain charge and only do this. It was like a $300 fine or whatever. He said, but I want you to understand that I am only doing this as a favor for you. He said, this is a favor. That's the exact word he used, is favor. He shook his finger at us and said, favor. And I'll never forget, on his hand, he was wearing this, this ring that was this, this gold ring that had a big gold ring and it. it was a cross on it. And I thought, hmm, <laughs> that's interesting. 
And he said it a few times, I'm doing this only as a favor. We walked out of the room, and him and the judge talked and said this and that. I want to drop charge section 3012, and I plead charge, blah, 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 blah. And he walked away with maybe like a $300 sentence and just tears in his eyes. And we walked out, and we were like, yeah! <laughs> it was just like the movies, you know? <laughs> but uh, Darcy basically just called out for God's mercy. And I know, you know, to some of us, you're thinking, oh, well, it's a $3,600 ticket. It's not the end of the world. To him, it was, you know. Your situation might not seem so serious to other people, but to you, it is, no matter what it is. And it's serious to God. And that's just a a small example of God's deliverance. So when Darcy finally got his ticket, I said, give me a copy of that, man photocopied it, hung it on my wall. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I still have it. So <laughs> reminder of God's goodness, right? But uh, I give you that example just to show like, no matter what you face, God can bring deliverance. And, and often what I've seen in the Bible and from personal experience is he will use people to do it. Most times. I mean, there's a lot of times he can just miraculously, you know, do things. But I mean, Someone might pray for your healing. He might lay on someone's heart to give you an opportunity or, or who knows what, right? Um, <clears throat> so my, that's my second point is he can do it in an instant or it might be a gradual process of obedience. And I'm not going to tell God how to do it. He could have, who knows what he could have in mind for you. But he knows exactly what's required in your situation. And my, my third thing I want to tell you, and we're coming in for a landing soon, is that your, your works and your, your own righteousness is not the reason he's going to deliver you, that he's going to help you. And that's really important because if you look and say, man, you know, I really need God's help, but I know what I did last week or what I said to this person or how I acted. I don't know if I qualify. You do. But it's not because of what you've done. It's because of what Jesus has done. It's because of God's love. It's because of God's grace. Do you think all those people in that besieged city were all just perfect saints? I don't think so. What about, what about all the Israelites that got led into the promised land? You know, they had their flaws. They had their bad days. But God still loved them. God still saved them. And I'm not saying you just go do whatever you want. and You know, because there's some... Some things we'll look at here that will, I think, really speed up <laughs> the process and open doors. One of, uh, one of the coolest examples I can think of is in Acts 12 when Peter was in jail. And uh, before Peter was put in jail, they had actually beheaded James, the son of John. They killed him. And Herod said, man, I really like this. The, the public responded well to this. I think I'll kill another one of these apostles. <laughs> They throw Peter in prison, same thing's going to happen to him. But it says in Acts 12, 15, go there. And there's so much stuff we could talk about. Acts 12, 5 says, So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. That's Acts 12, 5. And as the story goes on, you'll see that he 
Peter was miraculously delivered to the point where he came, knocked on the door where they're having their prayer meeting, and they're like, what? (laughs) You're here? They're just shocked that he's actually been saved. That's, I mean, that's one simple thing a person can do to, I'd say, you know, hasten the day of deliverance. But whatever your situation is, I urge you to seek God, go through his word, and just just seek and listen and hear what he'd have you to do. Because, I mean, it's, I, can't, I can't stand up here and say I've got the answer, one answer to all your situations, because I, I don't. But I do know that God wants to deliver you. And he'll tell you, he'll show you what to do. Maybe you need to pray and fast. Maybe you need to end some certain relationships in your life that are negatively affecting you. Maybe, you know, maybe you need to do, I mean, who knows what. I had heard a story, really interesting story about this uh, lady who was at a supermarket. Now, I don't know if this is a Christian urban legend or not, so take it with a grain of salt. I think it's true. I'd heard someone share it at a conference. And she's walking through this supermarket, and she keeps hearing the voice of God say, go stand on your head by that vending machine. What? (laughs) Yeah, go. Go stand on your head by that vending machine. He's like, okay, this is like one of the weirdest things God's ever told me to do. So she, like many of us probably would, kind of like, hey, is this really you, God, or am I making something weird up right now? She stopped, she listened, she prayed, and she was close enough to God that she knew, okay, this is the voice of God. So she went in the supermarket and stood on her head by the vending machine. And this person who worked there just had walked by and stopped and started just bawling, just crying. And the lady, you know, finally got off from standing on her head and went and talked to this person. She knew, like, okay, this was for this person. And the person between their tears, she said, I told God that, that I wouldn't believe in him even if he made somebody stand on their head by the vending machine. <laughs> and it just changed her life. And I, I believe, you know, God can do stuff like that. Pretty cool. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we'll kind of bring it in for a landing here. Uh, I do want to touch on just one other thing. Again, just along the lines of that, your, our works and our own righteousness aren't what earn our deliverance. It's, it's, it's faith in God. It's his grace. It's his love. And, you know, we read that story about the uh, Armenians besieging the city. But as I had mentioned to you, before that happened, they had actually all been miraculously, supernaturally blinded. That entire army taken into that city. And rather than slaying them, which is what some of the people were like, Let's kill them. I mean, they're blind. They're in our city. We done. Said nope. Feed them and let them go. Sometimes, I think in your life you're doing everything right. In fact, you're a very good person. You're being nice to people. You're blessing people. And sometimes bad things may still happen. Because here they went and fed this whole army. And what happens? These guys they spared their lives. These guys turn around and try to kill every single one of them. That's got to make you feel like betrayed and there can be feelings of like god this is not fair this is not right this is but you know what that doesn't matter those people made that choice instead of receiving that kindness they said well no we're going to just turn around and kill these people you know if something like that happens if you've been doing good if you've been doing right and things still aren't quite turning out in a way that you think is fair just remember that god still 
has deliverance for you. For whatever reason, people have maybe made decisions to do something to you or something bad happened. It doesn't matter. God still has a plan. So, um, I'll end with this one single scripture in Hebrews 6.2. Oh, wait. 612, sorry. <clears throat> and it just simply says that uh, he talks about in 11, we desire that each of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope till the end. He was talking about some other things previously. He said, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So, if I haven't said enough, say it one more time, is whatever situation you're in, God can and will change that situation. It could be in an instant. It could be through some gradual obedience to something God tells you to do. And the third thing is, remember that it's not because of your righteousness. It's not because of the good works you've done or how many laps you run around the track. It's because of God's grace and goodness and your faith in Him. You want to stand up and we'll say a closing prayer? <clears throat> oh, Lord God, thank You for Your people this evening. Holy Spirit, we pray that Your light would shine in our hearts. We don't know what our brothers and sisters are all going through. I believe probably each one of us here, we have some challenge, some obstacle we're facing in our life, whether it's in our inner life or our relationships or something outside of us. Holy Spirit, we pray you show us. We just pray that you would speak to the hearts of people who are in darkness, people, those among us who are confused and looking for an answer. And we just pray right now that you would show them what to do. Maybe it's the simplest thing to start with, the simplest little step that's going to start them to uh, bringing them to a place of extreme, glorious freedom. We pray that you speak to us now, that you bring deliverance, Lord God. We thank you that it is your will, your desire to deliver us, to save us from any situation we're in, that you can change it. Show us what it means to just follow you and trust you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.